Well, all right. Welcome back. Glad we could open the Word together. We're going to be in the book of Acts this morning, uh, chapter 14. So if you want to grab your Bible, hopefully it's nearby. And if you've got your Bible handy, you might turn to the very back, because in the back of most Bibles, uh, you will find a number of Bible maps, uh, typically starting back uh, somewhere around the time of Abraham and the patriarchs, uh, Usually some other maps will show some of the wilderness wandering, and then eventually you'll get into uh, Jerusalem and Israel at the time of Christ, and then after that you'll begin to see maps that would indicate where the missionary journeys, the various missionary journeys of Paul and his uh, and his various missionary teams uh, made their way through uh, around, the, uh, around the area there, uh, typically throughout uh, Galatia and uh, Asia Minor and Cyprus and those areas there and Syria and such. So if you have that open on your Bible map, uh, it probably wouldn't hurt to take just a minute to get a sense of where some of the things we're reading about are taking place. Uh, at the beginning of Acts chapter 13, we see where uh, Paul and Barnabas are ultimately uh, sent off on their missionary journey. Uh, they're from Antioch in Syria, and they begin to make their trip over to Cyprus uh, which is a small island off of the western coast of Syria. They make their way up into uh, Lysa, Lysia or Pamphylia, that area. Uh, what we're going to read about today and what we started to see at the end of chapter 13 brought us into a region known as Galatia. And uh, the, the major cities in Galatia that we, at least the ones we uh, we learn about in Scripture, are the cities of Iconium, Lystra, Derbe, uh, also Antioch and Pisidia. These main cities are where the action of the book of Acts as relates to that particular region are taking place. Of course, again, uh, they've been in other areas as well. But today, for example, when we go into chapter 14 and we see that they are uh, ultimately in Iconium, and then they'll make their way down to Lystra. I don't know if we'll get there today, but next time. Uh, these are cities that are in the region of Galatia. Now, that's, of course, significant to us because that means that when Paul later writes the letter to the Galatians, uh, it's not to a church in uh, per se, but it's to a group of churches in the region of Galatia, as opposed to something like, say, the letter to the Corinthians or the letter to the Romans or to the Thessalonians um, or the Colossians. These are cities that received letters from Paul. But in this particular case, when it comes to Galatia and the letter to the Galatians, we're talking now about believers in these four cities. Again, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. These become the places and the believers that Paul is spending time with in the passages we're starting to read about uh, that will ultimately later get his letter that uh, was written, uh, likely from Antioch. And so um, that being said, let's go ahead and dive into chapter 14, and uh, we'll find ourselves now in Iconium. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Now, we've mentioned this before, but I always like to, uh, because we're not in uh, Acts every day or First John every day, sometimes I'd like to just kind of remind a few points that we've covered earlier. Paul is known as an apostle to the Gentiles. He calls himself such. And Peter is, uh, is an apostle to the Jews in that. Uh, however, even though those distinctions are made, and sometimes uh, with respect to certain apparatus that we bring to our understanding of theology, sometimes we assume that means that Paul is, that's his mission. He is on uh, going to the Gentiles and that kind of thing. However, it's important for us to realize that not only does Paul have a penchant for going to the Jews as well, uh, every time he goes to a city, like we see here, he goes to a synagogue. 
and he begins to share uh, the gospel. He begins to share the truth of God. He begins to build a case for Christ from the Old Testament. And as he does, his desire is to see his kinsmen according to the flesh, those whom he's willing, if it were even possible, to sacrifice his own salvation for, as we see in Acts chapter, uh, uh, Romans chapter 9, I should say. He is just driven to reach out to his kinsmen according to the flesh. So he is an apostle primarily to the Gentiles. That, that t- tends to be the focus by his own admission of his ministry. However, that's not to preclude the fact that he does still reach out to the Jews as well. And after all, that makes sense because in his calling, when Jesus calls him specifically, or more accurately, when he gets with uh, Ananias, who is going to meet Paul, uh, God's going to, the Lord's going to bring Paul to uh, to Ananias, and he's, and he's going to pray for Paul. He's called Saul at this point, but he's going to pray for Saul. Scales are going to fall from his eyes. He's going to regain his sight. But this man that has been brought to Ananias by Jesus' own word uh, is called to not only reach out to the Gentiles, but also he's going to be uh, an instrument in the hand of Jesus to reach the Jews as well. So even though predominantly we see a lot of his writing, for example, and, and the success that he has in, min- in his ministry, predominantly being among, among the Gentiles, um, nonetheless, he never loses his fervor and desire to see the Jews come to know the Lord as well. As a matter of fact, I love to point to the fact that Romans 9 through 11 uh, alongside, right parallel with uh, his discussion on God's sovereign election, he is using Israel as the ultimate example of that. And so um, uh, his heart breaks and is burdened for his people, the Jews, and he continually, uh, almost invariably, goes to the synagogues when he arrives at various cities in order to share the gospel with them. So that is the case here, as we see in Acts chapter 14. Uh, and it says, again, he went, so, uh, he, he went to uh, the Jewish synagogue and both Jews and Greeks believed. So there were either Greeks who were hearing him speak as he was speaking and as they were just with an earshot, or likely what is also in view is that there are a number of Greeks who are proselytes or those who have uh, basically hitched themselves to the God of Israel and have gone through the various ceremonial things to participate in the worship practices of Israel, believing in the God of Israel, Yahweh. And so... Um, they are hearing the gospel. Again, Paul is sharing from the Old Testament, sharing about the person of Christ, who is not just appearing in the New Testament context, but we see uh, sort of a breadcrumb trail throughout the Old Testament that leads ultimately to the person of Christ. And so Paul is sharing these things, and people are believing, both Jew and Gentile. Now, you might recall that uh, that the church already has been born. I, I staggering there for a second because people have a different view on whether the church began in Acts 2 or Acts chapter 9. But whichever view you take, by this point the church has now been born. And there are both Jews and Gentiles entering into it. Now I I, I mentioned that as kind of a ramp up to when we get to Acts chapter 15, where we will begin to now see what is the very first council that the in, in church history that the body has, and it's in Jerusalem. It is presided over by James, and uh, ultimately it revolves around a question about where the law fits into the gospel. And so we'll spend some time talking about that when we get to Acts chapter 15. It's a topic we've actually talked about many times in the past, but certainly we will uh, not neglect to dig into it some when we get into Acts 15 as well, as they deal with this very fundamental question between law and grace, between uh, the Old Testament law and its purpose, and then ultimately the gospel. So uh, stay tuned for that as we make our way toward that.
it's kind of a, uh, an epoch moment kind of a thing in, in, uh, uh, in the church's history. So anyway, back in Acts chapter 14, moving into verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Uh, brothers meaning, again, brothers and sisters against the believers is what's in view. Uh, although, very specifically, we find that Paul and Barnabas are the object of this ire, or the, uh, the target of this ire. And so they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. I love the way that moves. Watch this. Again, uh, uh, in verse 2, the unbelieving Jews are stirring up the Gentiles and poisoning their minds against the brothers. So that they remained for a long, so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, rather than just moving away because persecution uh, came up against them. Because at this point, it would appear that is just the argumentation is being raised up against what Paul and Barnabas are speaking, and rather than back down and move away and go somewhere else, they continued to speak boldly. They stuck around for quite a while. It says a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord. In other words, they they had backbones. They they continued to press forward and work this ground, even though it was hard ground to work. They broke it up with the word of God and continued to press forward with the good news. Uh, this is the kind of stick to that believers today need to have. We ought not back down when the gospel is pushed against. Um, people have a right to believe what they're going to believe, and they have the reasons why they come to the conclusions they do. But Paul talks about the importance of taking captive every argument that would set itself up against Christ. And so we want to do that. Peter would say, always be ready uh, with an answer. First off, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you a reason for the hope that is within you and to do so with gentleness and respect or reverence. And so it is our responsibility to be able to share the gospel even in hostile environments where there is opposition and antagonism. We ought not necessarily, as soon as we see that, begin to back away from it. Um, now, that's not easy for all of us. I mean, I, I don't love confrontation either. However, uh, it is in those moments that we often see the Holy Spirit work. He brings to our remembrance those things that Jesus said. He helps us connect the dots in our minds, understanding how to engage with the various worldviews that are standing in opposition to the gospel. We ought not back away, but rather just pray in those moments and give it to the Lord and ask him to give us what we need in that moment to be an effective witness for him. That doesn't mean the persecution will stop. It doesn't mean everybody will suddenly lie down and say, oh my gosh, what must I do to be saved? Uh, some will. Uh, we see that that happens throughout Paul and Barnabas's ministry, throughout the ministry of the apostles, uh, throughout the Old Testament, or New Testament, and the period of Acts. Uh, we see it in our day as well, as people come to the Lord uh, even though they were once hostile, but now they are ultimately believers. And so um, so we want to have a backbone in this regard. We don't want to necessarily back away when opposition comes. Uh, I love that they continue to press on, and the Lord blessed that. Notice again what it says. Uh, they remained for a long time, verse 3, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, we talked about miracles in that in regard to uh, their appearance in the book of Acts and the way that God used those miracles to validate the gospel message. The miracles were never done as an end in themselves, but they were always done as an entrance point for the gospel. 
Uh, it validated by showing that the word was shared both in word and also in power. Uh, and here's one of those examples where God gave Paul and Barnabas the ability to do miracles that validated um, and substantiated the claims they were making in terms of the gospel. God was verifying that what they were saying was true in the eyes and, uh, and ears of the hearers. And so that being said, it was because they can, I would say it's because, like there's a one-to-one thing here, but God did seem to bless and respond to the fact that they didn't just walk away. In fact, if they had walked away, we might not have seen this next part of the passage where God was validating their message with these miracles and that. I'm not saying that every time you share your witness, a miracle is going to happen. But I do wonder sometimes if we back away too soon from what's going on, maybe there was something more God wanted to do in that moment that would add an element of um, credibility to, your, to our words. He, uh, whether it's a miracle or whether there's uh, potentially a word of knowledge that might have been shared about someone's life that suddenly they realize that, you know, hey, wait a minute, you know, wow, God is here in this, you know, and maybe I do need to listen and respond. And so we just, uh, again, without beating a dead horse, we just want to make sure that we, we don't run at the first sign of persecution. But I would suggest we press on, we move forward. We do it with gentleness and respect, as Peter said. But we do have the aim of taking these ideas, these worldviews captive to Christ. In other words, we want to overcome the lie with the truth. We want to overcome the darkness with the light. We want to put ourselves in a position where God can use us uh, to be tools in his hand, instruments that help ultimately uh, are used to lead people to a point of belief uh, and conversion. And ultimately we see their eternal destinies changed in that. So this is what happens with Paul and Barnabas, um, granting signs and wonders to be done on uh, by their uh, by the by their hands, but the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and then fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So we flip the coin over now. There is a point at which God now kind of opens the door for them to move on and motivates them to move on. Now, there are times when Paul finds himself, as a matter of fact, will come upon it soon, where Paul is preaching and he's ultimately dragged and, and stoned outside the city and, and all of this. And, um, and, uh, and, and so there are times when sharing the gospel ultimately does result in people being abused for doing so. And there are times when God sort of gives you know, through the Holy Spirit and through the circumstances, leads people to move from the place they were to the place where he wants them then to go. In other words, there's there's a point in time in which God is done here, and now he calls us to go there. We don't always know when it is, and, and we don't necessarily have all kinds of detail on exactly what that mistreatment looked like and, and all that kind of a thing, but Paul and Barnabas apparently saw that as their, um, you know, their cue to go ahead and move on to the next place. Jesus did mention to the disciples when he was in his earthly ministry, to the twelve as he sent them out, he said, if you come to a city and they receive your word, then stay in that city for a time. And obviously the, the idea for their ministry would, uh, was that their ministry would have a chance to, to flourish there. But he said, when you come to places that reject you, won't receive your word, then shake the dust off your feet and move on. You won't have gone through all the cities in Israel before the Lord returns. And so there is an understanding that we don't understand at what point an opportunity may open or may close. And so we simply move forward 
and we bring the gospel into those opportunities where it's it's there. But at some point, the Lord may move us on, whether it's through a certain kind or, or level of persecution that we have an opportunity to move on to the next city, or sometimes we end up enduring that persecution, and that becomes part of the witness and testimony that bears uh, witness to the gospel. And so we don't really know. And, and unfortunately, there's no easy sort of checkbox kind of a thing that we can point to and say, well, here's how we know whether God's in it right now or not. But this is where I think just continually walking with the Lord, uh, spending time in his word, being in prayer, being actively involved in ministry, we begin to recognize uh, the Lord's moving and leading in our lives oftentimes. But I would say this, that the intent is that we press forward, not turn back. Uh, And we just might see God do some pretty incredible things in bringing people to faith. And of course, that is what our mission in these last days is all about. Uh, Drawing close to the Lord ourselves, but also being instruments in his hands as he seeks to draw others to himself as well. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And so it becomes important for us to bring the gospel, to elevate the name of Jesus, to make him known in the work that he accomplished on our behalf so that people might hear and respond. How will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless someone is sent, right? And so that's uh, we fit into that process to one degree or another. So that said, I'm going to go ahead and stop there, actually. We'll uh, read through at least most, if not the rest of chapter 14 next time, uh, as that next section kind of stands together, uh, as Paul and and, uh, Barnabas move on uh, to Lystra and that. So But again, uh, just kind of hearkening back to the beginning of our time here today, if you look at your Bible map, you get a sense of where we are uh, geographically as these things are unfolding. And that becomes becomes a shifting scene as after chapter 14, we make our way to Jerusalem for, again, the first council in in the church's history, the Jerusalem Council. So... That being said, uh, thanks again for joining as we make our way through the Word of God. I love the book of Acts. I just love going through the book of Acts. I'm so glad you're going through it as well uh, together with us, with, with me here. Because as we look, and I know I've said this before, but as we look at, at, at the Holy Spirit's moving through the church in the first century there in the book of Acts, um, we want to see him moving similarly today. And I'm not just talking about seeing miracles. I would love to see uh, the gospel t- attested to by miracles and such. I would love to see that personally. And when the Lord feels it's necessary to do those things, to, to, uh, to encourage faith in, in the hearers and that kind of thing, I have no doubt that he uh, does that today in our day. I have no doubt that he will do that in the days to come leading up to Christ's return. But I'm not just talking about the miracles. I am talking about the, the sort of simple obedience to the Holy Spirit that we see in, in the lives of so many of these uh, of the apostles and, and the believers that we see and we read about in the book of Acts. I love seeing the opportunities that open up. Uh, as we make our way through the rest of the book of Acts, we're going to see Paul before Felix and Festus and Agrippa, and he's going to ultimately uh, make his way to Rome to stand before Caesar before he's ultimately martyred. But just seeing this drive to make the gospel known, a drive that supersedes any drive for personal gain or even personal comfort, but is rather just an, is just this, this growing sense of the importance of the mission of the gospel. And, uh, and, and I, I would love to think that in our day, that the believers today, those who are uh, walking with the Lord right now, would see, uh, as we go through these pages, um, would see the importance of that same mission 
in our day. It really is truly uh, uh, as important today as it has ever been to bring the gospel to the world around us. And our circumstances in some ways might be different. Technologies may create different kinds of opportunities and obstacles. Um, the events that are taking place in our day, which I think are, are reflective of what the scriptures tell us the last days will look like, these things are all going on in our day. These things are all part and parcel with the picture that uh, presents our current circumstances in our day. And God has a way for the gospel to fit into it without compromising it, without changing it, without watering it down, uh, without lowering, um, without changing definitions or morphing it into something different. Um, the gospel of grace, the, the beautiful good news of reconciliation with God through Christ is as important of a message in our day as it has ever been in history. And so reading through the book of Acts and seeing what God did in those days hopefully doesn't just instruct us in what happened then, but inspires us to invite the Holy Spirit to work now. Uh, we know his desire uh, is to reach and to uh, bring Jesus to the world. And the fact that we get to be used in that uh, purpose, uh, brought into um, being employed into that service uh, in these days is a mind-blowing privilege. So God help us to see it as that and to pour ourselves into that which he'd have us do in these days. And um, so that said, let's pray. Let's even ask him to do that. Father, we're thankful that uh, we have these words to read. We're thankful that we can see how in the first century um, you called and ordained, you empowered by the Holy Spirit, men and women who would give themselves over to the service of the gospel for Jesus' sake, to make his name known and to make his name great among the nations. Father, many years have passed since that time, and the church has moved through many different kinds of phases and has looked different throughout the centuries. It's been institutionalized. It's been uh, all kinds of things. But Father, in our day, we would ask that we would approach gospel ministry with the same simple fervor and passion and love for Jesus that we see evident on these pages. Father, there are things about how you might use us that we still need to figure out just like they did back then. But we pray that, Father, we would not be afraid to allow you to put us in circumstances and situations where we have to rely on you, but doing so gives opportunity for us to share the gospel. We pray that, Father, people would come to know Jesus in our day and that we would have the blessed privilege of being part of that as you work these things out. We pray that you'd fill us to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We know he dwells within us. This is what it means for us to be believers, that we are sealed with uh, the seal of promise by the Holy Spirit. We know that one day we'll stand in your presence as believers. Um, but Father, we pray for more than just the sealing of. We pray for the unction from. We pray for the anointing from. We pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us in our day. You even said in the last days that this would be an element uh, through which you would make your, uh, to make your will known and that you'd, make your, you'd accomplish your purposes. And so we pray that you would fill us to overflowing, that, Father, we would uh, be instruments in your hands, unabashed, unashamed, unafraid, uh, fearless, and that, Father, we would bring the gospel and we'd bring the answers to the hard questions. We would not cower at the first uh, sign of opposition or persecution even, Father, that's a lot to ask uh, because most of us really don't like confrontation and that kind of a thing. But I pray that you would embolden us as you embolden them. 
Father, you shook the rooms from time to time that they were in. Father, shake our hearts and help us, Lord, just to be ready and available to you in the days in which you've called us, because we truly are here for such a time as this. And we know the time we're in is not long before the coming of Christ. So inspire us, Father. Fuel the fires in our hearts. Where there has been a waning of that passion and desire, rekindle it. Return us to our first love and teach us once again to depend on you, uh, even outside of the areas of comfort that we might sort of want to be holding on to. Uh, Father, help us to leave nothing else, uh, help us to leave everything, I should say, on the table, on the field, as we suit up and go to work. Thank you, Father. We love you and praise you and bless you and ask you to continue to use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for watching. And if you have any comments, questions, thoughts, I always like to invite you to share those, whether it's on our YouTube channel or on my website at parsonspad.com, or you can email me from there, or our church's website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. Also, uh, we just started posting to a uh, an online outlet called Odyssey. Some of you know what this is, and you've used it before. I've been familiar with it. There's a couple of things I follow on Odyssey, and I decided we'd go ahead and start posting there as well. So we're not only on YouTube, but we're also on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. And you can link to that on my website at parsonspad.com, and that will take you to the same videos that we post on my website as well as on our church's website. So there's a few different outlets, and we're going to maybe kind of start increasing those in case, um, you know, we're we're kind of small time compared to a lot of um, churches and podcasts and that kind of thing. So I don't really know that we're a threat to YouTube's algorithms or any of that kind of stuff. But in the event that it does happen, um, we're trying to start expanding maybe little by little the outlets that we're on just in case uh, something like that ever does happen. Uh, And so anyway, that being said, you've got a couple of other options. You can also uh, subscribe to the audio version of this podcast from my website, parsonspad.com. So, all right. Well, thanks again for watching. Looking forward to catching up with you again as we make our way through the word. And, uh, And until then, may the Lord bless and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace forever. Amen.